Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We are recording this Tuesday night, February 6th. Uh, the Magic just lost by 26 in Miami to end our five-game road trip, uh, three and two, which on the surface looks fine. Uh, you know, we're 27 and 24 now, tied for seventh in the East with the Heat, but because we lost to Miami, uh, you know, Miami won the season series 3-1, unless they have the tiebreaker against us, which hopefully it won't come down to that come the end of the season to decide who wins the Southeast Division and just gets the higher you know, seeding. But uh yeah, we're gonna look back on this game uh and a and a few other games with uh with some anger, but uh we'll get to that in a bit. Let's talk Friday, Penny. So Friday, uh the magic were in Minnesota. We got Gary Harris back after missing 14 games, you know, so it's the first time since like the fourth game of the regular season that the Magic are healthy. Uh, you know, the team had good vibes energy coming off Paolo Bancaro being named uh, an NBA All-Star selection. The Wolves came in plenty motivated. You know, they wanted to get their coach, uh, Finch, you know, the West, you know, the West All-Star coaching gig, which... He ended up getting it eventually, but not from this game. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards and Cat were named All-Stars. Rudy Gobert probably thought he got snubbed, so he was playing with a little bit of anger there. And then us going from Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio to then now to then Rudy Gobert is just kind of a tough opposing center combo to deal with. Uh, we were at the six-man show watch party at Elixir. Which was great. A lot of cool free giveaways, uh, including yeah. awesome hats, bucket hats. Um, I like how without volunteering, I get thrown into a trivia contest. Benny, can you vouch that I did not like throw myself at at anyone to get picked for the trivia contest? Somebody literally came up to me and asked me. Yeah, I mean, there's a track record with you uh and trivia wins at six man events, but uh yeah, there there was no politicking or stumping. You were you were dragged from your beer to participate, and and still got the question right as you do. So the magic got off to a slow start, which tend ended up being a big theme of this road trip for the most part. We were down seventeen at halftime. Or, or, yeah, no, sorry, we were down seventeen at one point in the first half, and we were only down fifty nine fifty four at halftime. So we were down only five. Uh, I mean, we had great. First half performance overall from Franz, Paolo, Wendell. Um, and then third quarter starts, Foltz is doing awesome. Suggs hitting a few threes, and we're tied 64-64 all of a sudden. Apparently, Jalen Suggs has never lost at the Target Center in his entire life, be it high school or as a pro. So that's that's a cool thing to lean on. His parents were sitting in the front row, I believe, or pretty close to the front row. So um yeah, everybody ended up being going home happy. I don't. But would you? I, I didn't. We couldn't hear the audio that great. I mean, we could hear, but it looked like Suggs had bought tickets for like two hundred people for that game. It was insane. He had like a suite, and he had people like all over the place. Would you guess that number? or Am I too high? It, I mean, it seemed like. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the over under, and I'd be uh, likely to go over. Um, and that always seems to work out, at least lately, for a lot of Magic men. Um, playing well as they return kind of home and to their general area of growing up. So we tied the game up at 64, and then 
we kind of let things go a little bit and then we somehow recover again to make it 93-93. And we're going to talk about it a little bit here, but we had that death lineup that we call it. We have a death lineup, you know, apparently, which is uh, Wendell, Isaac, Paolo, uh, Franz, and Jalen Suggs is the death lineup. So no true point guard out there throwing in Isaac in uh, with the starters and taking out Fultz or whoever's running point that night anyway. Um, and then the magic ended up going up 98, 95 in the middle of a 15 to four magic run. Uh, and the rest were letting it get pretty physical on both ends. You know, yeah. we, we've had some complaints about refs lately, especially tonight in Miami, but in this wolves game, like they let it go on both ends. That's all we care for. Right? Like, if it's going to be physical, let both teams be physical. Don't make it a completely different set of rules for, for one end of the floor, not the other. So, um, again, we're seeing this trend of no Anthony Black, no Gogo Bataze, no Caleb Houston, no Chuma, no Trevlin Queen during a lot of these past few games, basically. You know, the only time a lot of these guys are getting in is during garbage time. Um, and then this game, it, had a lot of physicality. There were some real big time buckets. Like Wendell was just tough. He was a tough dude tonight at uh, that fr on Friday night. And we hit, came up with some big clutch free throws. You know, Wendell hit some, Paolo hit some, and just that big lineup worked. You had Isaac on Carl Anthony Towns. You had Wendell doing enough on Gobert because Gobert is not going to get involved that offensively late. So, um, and then. At times, you then you also had Franz play on Carl Anthony Towns, and you had, uh, or sorry, you had Franz on Anthony Edwards, and you had Paolo on his fellow Seattle guy McDaniel's, and it just worked out, man. Um, you know, we got a little lucky, I think, with some late Wolves missed threes, like on another night, like those go down, and we probably, we, you know, we probably lose the game, but you know, it didn't happen. Our size kind of prevailed a little bit there, and just a massive road win out of nowhere against what was the best team in the West, you know, in Minnesota or what is the best team in the West of Minnesota. And look, offensively, this death lineup that the magic have, it's, it's a problem for us. Like it's, it's not great when you have Suggs at point, but you can't deny the defense and we're getting some pretty good results here in the short term, but teams are going to adapt to this. I don't know. What's your viewpoint on the Wolves game and kind of all that death lineup stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think just a huge win um, gave us the cushion to lose this Miami game uh, the night that we're recording today mm -hmm. um, and still finish with a winning road trip. Obviously, beating the number one team in the West on the road is a, a pretty good accomplishment. And doing it in the fashion that they did was fun to, to watch and be in that atmosphere at Elixir to do so. Um, the interesting thing to me about the death lineup as part of the Joel Embiid injury, the, I think the Matt Moore guy from uh, formerly CBS and now actionbet.com, whatever the fuck, um, yeah, yeah. posted the, the best five-man lineups across the NBA with minimum of 100 minutes played. So evidently that death lineup, um, as you might imagine, has not played together for 100 minutes on the court together. But be hard to fathom um, in a larger sample size with just the length, physicality, and tenacity on the defensive end, um, at least closing games, like in that final five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, pretty tough to score on 
and you're probably going to get bailed out with Paolo or Franz going one-on-one -on -one enough to make that a net positive moving forward. What do we think about the Isaac? Well, first off, Isaac's like breaking minutes records here. Like he's 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 playing more when 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 the situation calls for. But I don't know. What do we think of his minutes kind of distribution, especially him just playing entire fourth quarters? Um, you know, are we fine with that? I mean, it's not like he's playing a ton the first three quarters. Like he's playing like eight, ten minutes and then finishing yeah. out the game. Like I he seems to be doing fine. Um I, I don't know any any coaches' viewpoints on that. The, the assumption is that they have a, play, a a master plan that they've been you know sticking to and ramping up and whatever. You players get into grooves, right? So like if your comfort level is there on the floor, then you want to stay on the floor. But uh, you would think with all of the close eye on load management and precautionary holdouts and everything else that. If you were playing Jonathan Isaac 25 minutes a night, that you would want to stagger, you know, 12 and 12, uh, as opposed to eight and then, you know, 18, like in a row. It, it seems strange, but his play in the fourth quarter is certainly not, you know, it's, he doesn't look like he's tired or favoring anything. And the, the eye test at least speaks for itself. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on quickly to the Detroit game? Uh, I mean, look, if you haven't been to Elixir, it's it's you know it's great for watching any type of sporting events. Like they actually have pretty good food, and you know, obviously it's a, the bar is nice in there. But like outside's pretty cool. They had it all like all the downtown was pretty great because they had the U.S. Olympic uh, marathon qualifying team trials. That was awesome to have. It had never been in Florida before, and. Uh, fact that we had in Orlando and the weather was good and it, it was cool. But any final thoughts before we go on to the Pistons? Well, yeah, it was a nice atmosphere The and what 60,000 fans at the pro bowl this weekend too. So there was certainly a buzz downtown um, and definitely worth checking out a future event there and magic event there. If it happens. Uh, all right. So, you know, you go from winning at the best team in the West house to then, you're going to go up against the worst team in the league in the Detroit Pistons in Detroit. Uh, it was a 3 p.m. Sunday tip, which I know the Magic have done pretty well with afternoon tips, but this one kind of had me a little concerned. Um, and then you had just big letdown potential because it's it's a six-win team in Detroit. Early on, it looked ugly again. We just got off to a really slow start. Like Wendell Carter Jr.'s size limitations were just a problem against Jalen Duran. Like Duran was just freaking – just using just his, his strength and size and just kind of pushing Wendell around a lot. Um, and then, you know, we really didn't truly get into it until the third quarter where just Franz Wagner just goes off with just a flurry to open the third quarter. Like we're up like 66, 57. Uh, and then Gary Harris like started to get going finally as he was taking shit for no particular reason on social media. Like the guy's coming off a long injury, like give the guy a break. And, so it was nice to see Gary get going. And just Franz just kept crushing Detroit. Like the Pistons continuously were double teaming for Paolo and they left Franz open. And it got to a couple uh, to a few points in the fourth quarter where Monty Williams is like yelling at his team, like, why are you leaving Franz wide open? It's just I that that's a mess. I don't I I don't know what's going on there. Like Monty never should have took the job, but the money the money was too much to to pass down after pass you know to just not take at that point and 
it's it, it's it's a rough situation in Detroit. Um, and because Detroit's so bad, like them turning the ball over really just made it a fairly easy second half for the Magic after just an awful start to the game. Like the second half was just smooth, and Franz ties his career high of thirty eight points. We got to see the Magic death lineup again. You know, Suggs, Franz, Paolo, Isaac, Wendell. And we held the Pistons to only two points in the final 307 in the game. Um, and the Magic improved to a 13 and one record when allowing less than 100 points. And we're 22 and one when leading or tied after the third quarter. So, um, and then look, it, it was an ugly game for the most part. Fourth quarter, fairly calm, but we, uh, you know, any road win is a good win, even if it's against the worst team in the league. Uh, Detroit thoughts, Benny. Yeah, I mean that that's the main takeaway is you added another uh tally to the win column moving forward and you didn't slip up and have an embarrassment against a uh we'll say historically bad team in Detroit this year. Um and the other takeaway is just like really hoping that Franz gets going. Obviously they talked about um you know tying the career high without a single free throw attempt, which is impressive, but one of the biggest things for the Magic moving forward is going to be Franz feeling more, much more confident from behind the line than he has to this point this season. Um, so the Detroit showing was uh, was very nice to see. Yeah, look, he's still shooting like thirty percent on threes, but we we know he's he's better than that. Um, it's it's just going to take some more time and reps. Like he's he's still a young kid. He's twenty two years old. Like I know he's in his third season now, but. Uh, he he's gonna be fine. Like I view Franz Wagner like a rich man's Hito Turkoglu, and like Hito didn't become Hito until like his tenth season in the league. So the fact that Franz is doing this all in like his third season, like it, he's gonna be fine. I'm I'm not concerned. Like he's he's got it, you know, along with Paolo. Um, both Franz and Paolo were each nominated for Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, that award went to Trey Young because Atlanta surprisingly went three and zero, and so they've kind of started to slowly figure stuff out a little bit, but uh, all right, let's get to the Miami game. Um, look, the magic at the start of the game looked like a team at the end of like a five game, nine day road trip. Um, you know, Miami started the game off on an, on an 11, two run to open the game. Fultz, especially I noticed just was not pushing the ball. And when Fultz isn't pushing the ball, it's, it's tough to justify him being out there. Um, and then Markel, hit an open three. Like he, he had no choice to shoot the three, like Suggs threw a, a cross court pass to him and he shot it. And it was his first three of the season that he made, you know, and I think it's over 400 minutes played so that I'm, I'm glad he made it. Um, I wish he would have made the second attempt in the second half. Cause that would have made things interesting a little bit, but uh, you know, that sparked faults. And then it just sparked us as a whole, especially when some of the bench lineup guys came in like Ingles, um, you know, the Magic found themselves only down 22-19 late in the first. And then we had just that bullshit Kevin Love charge. Most <laughs> challenged, and and we lost the challenge early. It's it's still not a logical reason. Like, you can explain the rule. Like, they explain the rule on TV. But Kevin Love is still moving laterally the entire time. Like, he is not set at all. He's not trying to make a basketball play. He's in the restricted area, even if I get, I you know, there's this exemption of the rule that I had not heard of before in my life today that, of course, you knew because you're better with rules than I am, Penny. But um, I'm, I'm 
stringent rule follower, but I, I didn't see, I mean, I obviously saw on Twitter a lot of blow up about that call. I, I didn't, I wasn't convinced that it was a, a block in terms of Kevin Love being late, but you hate to say that a, a play in the first quarter impacts the rest of the game, but uh, that's a three point swing essentially. Uh, and then you're losing the challenge the rest of the game. Like it was a major turning point. We ended up being a major turning point in the game uh, just in terms of leading to the, the shitty, you know, magic play to close out and start the second quarter. Yeah. Look, you know, we went from down 22 to 19 to just, it all got to real. We were down 35, 22, we're down 13 and just a snap of your fingers. And then the refs were not calling this game equally. They, that Sean Corbin, uh, was it Washington, crew can go fuck themselves like that was just awful and i was surprised that mosley did not get teed up when he i was, i mean he I mean, he went at him in that one yeah. time out like he yeah. on another night that's definitely technical but i would have just kept pushing it if i was in his shoes like give me a technical throw my ass out of the game because it was not going to get better from there and it didn't officiating wise um and look we we shot ourselves in the foot with just the bad energy to start the game i get that like turnovers were really bad. Now some of those turnovers should have been fouls, but we're you know I'm not going to dwell on that too hard. But um, what's you know. your level of concern? Just the fact that we come into the game as the seventh seed. Uh, obviously, we were one game up on Miami going into the contest, uh, knowing that Miami had the two to one season series edge. It, it was a big game. I mean, if you're looking towards the playoffs, play in. Um, all those ramifications. Do you? Is there any overarching larger concern than the Magic were on the last game of their five-game, nine-day road trip? Uh, is there a, a deeper level of concern that they started so lethargic and flat for something that you know you would think you would put a little more emphasis on as opposed to other games on a Tuesday night during the course of the regular season? I, I'm I am concerned on like my. The way I see it is I think the coaching staff told the guys going into the road trip, like go three and two on the road trip. And then you got the surprise win in Minnesota and you know, you took care of business in San Antonio and uh and Detroit and just they didn't treat this like it should have been a rivalry game. Like they I, like they they got angry too late. They should have been angry out of the gate, like they should have been motivated like there's no fucking way we should have lost to you guys twice anyway this season. You know, we're not about to lose a fucking third time. And all the standing stuff, like we, theoretically, we could have come out, out of tonight sixth. Like, India yeah. had in, had the Pacers lost, which they almost did, but I think they beat Houston, I think it was. But yeah. um, had we won and the Pacers lost, we would have been sixth coming out of tonight. But The larger issue for the franchise, which you're, you're going to hate to hear, but... <laughs> Um, there's, there is no Miami rivalry, right? Like there, there should be there a should blood be. boiling in state rivalry. Um, and it, I would say non-existent and has been trending downwards since the, uh, Penny Hardaway back-to-back 40 point games and then losing in game five. Yeah. I mean, it's been a downhill. I mean, look, it, the, the whole brotherhood thing in the whole league, it's, it's, it's annoying and it takes, it, it, rivalries get taken out of it like look at paolo and wendell's agent mike miller like mike miller won 
two rings with the with the Heat. You know, he was sitting courtside tonight. Like he's more known as a Heat guy than you know, winning Rookie of the Year for the Magic, obviously. And it's just that whole kind of brotherhood meshing. Like there's rivalries are sl are definitely going out the window, and I I wish they wouldn't. Um, and tonight was an example of had the coaching staff. Or, or just even like the PR guys just kind of just put it in our, in those guys heads. Like, Hey, it's fucking Miami show up. I, I've, I've tweeted this out the last time we lost to the heat. I think um, now last game, we, we kicked their ass and held them to 87 points <laughs> tonight. They had like 87 points with like three minutes to go in the third, you know? So, but um, yeah. I, all I care about is you show up for Miami. I don't care about any other game during the regular season is even if you lose the game, just show up and bust your ass. It didn't do that. Like it, it really, really annoys me. Yeah. This guy hates Miami. Uh, incidentally, a big Brickle fan. <laughs> yeah. Brickle's great. I have no, I have no <laughs> issues with Brickle, uh, but, or Winwood, I guess. Uh, yeah. It, it just, ah, oh, man, just yeah. But that, that one call just kind of derailed everything. And then, Mosley got mad. He somehow didn't get a tech. He he should have gotten a tech. The fact that he didn't, he should have kept pushing it. Like he should have gotten Sean Corbin's face and like boxed his ass out into the tunnel or something to get thrown out. Like, cause it was not going to change the way the officiating was going to, was going and it didn't really. Um, and then, like I said, the magic, they got pissed, but it was too late. They should have gotten pissed out of the gate, not late in the second quarter or whatever. Um, and look, the Magic, they were only down 56-49 at halftime. Like, we came back because we pissed, got pissed off and we harnessed that energy and actually started playing some defense and moving the ball a little bit. You know, we had a 12-1 to run to close the half, you know, on that huge Jonathan Isaac corner three with, like, a second to go. Um, and I was hoping we were going to start the third quarter angry and didn't really happen because we, you know, look, coming back from a big deficit against like a bad Detroit Pistons Pistons team is one thing, but like trying to come back from down 20 in Miami against what should be a rival is another thing. Um, and we were down 96, 75 entering the fourth and you think ball game. And then we got blue balled a little bit. You know, we, we ended up only being down 10 with seven 30 to go. And you're like, is this going to happen? Like, are we really going to come down, come back from this huge of a deficit against Miami? And no, Jimmy Butler just crushed us with, an 8-0 run on his own, I believe it was. Like, he had back-to-back -back yeah. threes and then got another bucket, and it was game over. But, look, overall, on a whole, like, a 3-2 road trip, it is successful, but losing the season series to Miami and then letting uh, letting them tie us on a win-loss record just stings big time. Like, it's huge. It should leave a sour taste in our guys' mouths entering the trade deadline now that that's happening Thursday afternoon. Like, this is the last game before – the trade deadline and a few hours after the trade deadline, you're hosting Victor Wimbanyama in the Spurs. Um, yeah. Any final Miami thoughts before we just kind of get on to trade deadline talk now? No, just a disappointing uh, close to the trip and a game where it felt like it was more important probably to the fans and the diehard fans than the traveling party tonight. Look, there, there is some good news. Look, if you look at the standings, I, I don't think we're catching you know, the top four, like the Knicks are 33 and 18. They're the fourth seed. They're six games in front of us right now. Yeah. They don't have Julius Randall, but they, that that's a pretty decent team, even though 
I wouldn't fear them in a postseason series. I wouldn't fear them in a playoff series for the regular season. That's a solid Nick team. Um, and I think uh, Mitchell Robinson's coming back not too long after the all-star break for them. So, you know, even though they don't have Randall, they'll, they'll be all right. But, you know, Philly Embiid's out. He might be out for the rest of the season. He might be out for, you know, at least a month and a half, I would guess. I don't know, but, uh, Philly's 30 and 19. Like we're 27 and 24. Philly's 30 and 19. They're four games in front of us, but they're on like a decline now because Embiid's out. Um, we could catch them. The Pacers, they won tonight. So they're a game and a half in front of us at 29 and 23 in the sixth seed. But, you know, even as good as Halliburton and Siakam are, like defensively, they got problems. Who knows what's going to happen at the trade deadline with them? There's a couple guys that are. That that could be gone, you know. I I don't necessarily believe that they'll trade Buddy Heald, but that's still possible. And then we're tied with Miami, you know, who because they won the season series now they're they're in front of us, even though we're tied at twenty seven and twenty four. You know, they have the, they're the seventh seed. We're technically the eighth seed right now. Behind us, Chicago, I think, is what four four and a half games behind us. Atlanta is like five and a half games behind us. So we've got a bit of a cushion right now. Just let's talk about just kind of mindset and this thought process of what we're looking at. You know, Penny, do you, do you think as we are right now, do you think we're good enough to finish in the top eight? I mean, I, I certainly do. What, like, do we think, should be right. Yeah. If even if we make we no moves. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the bigger question. Yeah. The yeah, bigger question how? is, is do you have to make a move to finish top six and win the Southeast division? My viewpoint is probably right. Like you can't, I don't think like the schedule, it look as easy as the schedule might be and might appear on paper. Like you still have to show up and play. And I, on paper, it's very feasible, especially if the six are slide, like we could still be top six. Like all we got to do is be better than Miami and it's feasible. It very, very much is. I know it is. I know there's all that aura and that spolster of Butler stuff going on, you know, Pat Riley, and we haven't won to Miami since 2019, but we're not playing Miami anymore. We're playing everybody else. Miami's got to deal with a tougher schedule than us. Um, but I think for us to be top six, you got to make some type of move at the deadline. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, let's let's set the table stakes here. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any danger at this point in terms of the Magic not making the play-in. So that's top ten. Like that's that's a given. Well, in top um, eight, you get two games, guaranteed. Right, right. You know that too. So look, the, if you're looking at you know going down the line, the Heat have already made a move. The Pacers already made a big move. If you're talking about and and obviously the Sixers are up there now, and we anticipate them coming back down to earth a little bit with you know Embiid presumably out the rest of the regular season. Everyone else has has made their move in some form or fashion. Um, so if you're talking about trying to climb up into that top six, that would mean you're edging out Indiana or Philadelphia. I think you would have to bring in additional resources in order to pull that off for this year. Do you think Weltman and Anthony Parker care about being top six, or do you think they're, they're, they're content with being top eight based off of, I guess, obviously you're not expecting to win the championship now or next season, 
yeah. you're kind of on this upward trajectory waiting for those title teams that are up there now to either age out, fall apart, whatever. Are you know, that's the other thing is like we can we can moan and trade about wanting to make a move, but like do we think the front office feels pressured to? And I don't think they do. I think no. that they're more of the former where they're fine being top eight rather than the latter. Like, you know, hey, Paolo and Franz are busting their ass. We should give them more help. Like a bit of adversity is a good thing. You just don't want it to go on for too long. And I think as long as we, we make it into the plan as a top eight, you know, as a seventh or eighth seed, you know, they would, I think, be okay with that, honestly, before then in the off season, they make whatever moves they want to make. Um, now. You came into the season with a with a rosy outlook and, and projection, certainly more more than I did. Um, and I think the nine game win streak, to be honest, not spoiled, but uh, accelerated everything a little bit. If the Magic make the play in, let's say they get two two games out. Let's say they're seven eight seed. They get two games out. Yeah, uh, and they don't end up making the actual playoffs. Oof. Would you consider that to be? Well, I'm going to use the word failure, so forgive me uh, as a Giannis stand. But would, does that then become kind of does that sour the season? Even though probably leading into the season, uh, a, a play in berth would have been meeting expectations. I mean, look, my prediction was six seed. 45 wins we'd win the southeast division and so for me it'd be a failure but again for this front office probably not right you know it's they would have been fine with two playoff games or playing games whatever you know if it, it assuming that paolo and franz are still in an upward trajectory like you're still confident in the coaching staff but i i'm just telling you like i i think the goalposts have kind of been moved at this point. Like I think and it's for fans, right? Well, for, for fans, fans but, well, yeah. for fans, fans, but I think now maybe even just like for Paolo and Franz and like for, for those guys, I think that they would probably like a little bit of help, honestly. Now you have a great locker room. Like you you don't want to you know completely jolt the chemistry and camaraderie of it. But like those guys need help. They need a legit rim running tall center that can protect the rim potentially. And they need a point guard. That's not afraid to shoot the ball like that. They, they need that. And where will they be fine if they don't have that for the last two and a half months of the season? Yeah, but it's right there, man. Like why deprive those guys of the, this, uh, of a valuable playoff series where if you go like, if you make a, a, the right move or moves, you can easily be the sixth seed or even better. And so at that point, you're you you could beat anybody in a playoff series at that point, you know, in that first round, assuming it's not, you know, at, at Boston. Uh, yeah, assuming it's not Boston, because even like Milwaukee or Cleveland, I think we could beat. But um, I don't think the front office necessarily views it like that, although losing by 26 in Miami might change things. Um, but and look, the, with the trade deadline now, it's more appealing to get to improve yourself via the trade deadline, I think, than free agency. You know, uh, because of just there's no there's not many free agents out there. 
There's not going to like that. One of the better free agents going to be Nick Claxton. Like if you want Nick Claxton, go get him now. And it wouldn't take an absurd amount to do it. Like you can try him out for a couple months. That's the great thing about expiring contracts is like, if you're not a hundred percent certain on a guy's fit, like you can try him out for a couple months and you know what, if it doesn't work, he can walk. But instead of then signing a guy that you've not seen play with Paolo and Franz and seeing how, how that chemistry goes. So that, I mean, that's just an example right there, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. It, it, that's my viewpoint. Any other viewpoints before we get into trade targets? I, I, I don't wholly disagree with anything that you said. Um, as we get into talking about trade targets, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought exercise to put yourself in the shoes of the actual front office, because anything that you're doing to jolt this season and kind of push things along you're hoping not to do at the expense of the overall plan for the future, right? No, no short-sighted kind of win now push is happening. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, all right, let's go through these names real quick. Uh, feel free to stop and emphasize somebody that you want to talk about a lot. Uh, Buddy Heald. I, I don't think the Pacers one would trade him to us. Like that doesn't seem realistic when we're each battling each other for a top six seed, right? Like, do I even need to yeah. talk more about Buddy Heald? I don't think so. All right. Bruce Brown, Raptors got him in that Siakam deal with Indy. He's back to shooting, I think, 38% in Toronto. I think it was down in like the low 30s in Indies. But like I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't do the trade because where where are you uh, like are you starting him? Because at that point, then we really don't have a point guard then because you'd have to start him next to Suggs. I'm not putting Suggs on the bench at for for Bruce Brown, I don't think. Um, and I, I just think if Bruce Brown's going anywhere, it's to a title contender. I, I don't know. Any any big uh yearnings to have Bruce Brown on the roster? I this is probably uh a prejudice of me, but I hate the idea of bringing on someone who has already won the title and is now freshly paid coming off winning the title. It just never seems to work out that well. That is a very savvy point. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you on that. Very good point. Gary Trent Jr., another Raptor. He's an $18.5 million expiring contract. He's 25, shooting 43% from the field, but 42% from three-point range. Um, he's a 6'5 Duke guy. You get another Duke guy there, but he's uh, – He's been coming off the bench more this season than in pe- the past few seasons, I guess. Um, I, I'm i not the biggest Gary Trent guy. And look, if, if we were to bring him in, he's not starting. He'd be coming off the bench. And I just, I don't think that makes sense. I don't know. What about you? No, I mean, the, well, let's Duke versus North Carolina. The the Cole Anthony play of late has been concerning. So Very. you're bringing Gary Trent, that's you're probably looking for a little bit bigger kind of microwave score off the bench to to replace the the production from that role. Uh, I'm bringing up another Raptor, uh, Dennis Schroeder. I'd have to bring him up because he's <laughs> he's German. Uh, he's 30. He's, he's making he's he's going to be uh, he's got one more year on his deal, so he'll, he'll be making 13 million dollars next season. 45 percent shooting from the field, 34 and a half from three. He's coming off the bench more than since the since they they got quickly from the, from the Knicks in that trade. Uh, I I he is a volatile personality, and I I have to bring it up though because he's a point guard. He is very familiar with the Wagner brothers, and look, he 
the in the right atmosphere, the right situation, like he works, but I've just seen too much from him following the German national team that he's just too volatile character wise. Yeah, I think uh that's a move Paolo would have to sign off on too. Yes, that's hundred percent he'd have to sign off on that. Um I I I wouldn't hate it. Like if for some reason like they, they got they brought him in, um I don't hate Schroeder. I just think he is he he can lose his shit and end up getting like a 10 game suspension if we're not careful. Like I that that's He's like a volcano, like ready to erupt, I think, sometimes um, on the floor. Uh, I'm going off the board here a little bit. Uh, Sasha Vizenkov of the Kings, who he has a $7 million team option for the 2025-2026 season. So he's he's got, you know, he's on the books a little bit, but he, it's a shorter contract. He's a 28-year-old rookie. He's only getting 12 minutes per game. He's just not been getting consistent playing time under uh, – under Mike Brown in Sacramento and uh but he's shooting 46% from the field, 38% from 3. He can shoot it like he did at Olympiacos and he he's just not getting the minutes. Um look, he's not he's not going to defend it well. He's somewhere on the 36-year-old Joe Ingles defensive spectrum <laughs> right now, but the I think he if I if I could see pick and roll with Vizenkov and Joe Ingles, I think that would be kind of insane. But I, I'm just throwing that out there as a potential cheap option where you know we'll talk about trades because I have a trade involving him, but it, it's a cheap get. I don't know. Any opposition to him? Have you even seen him at all play on on your league pass viewings? Yeah, and a couple of like decent uh, spurts on nationally televised games, which always helps the cause too, despite not getting uh, being in the rotation consistently. Hey, look, anyone that shoots 38% from three is a viable candidate to join the team. Fair enough. Uh, Quentin Grimes, $4.3 million team option with the Knicks. It's 23 still, six foot five. The Knicks don't seem to want to pay him long-term. That's why he's on the block. Uh, 20 minutes per game, though. Seven points per game. 40% shooting from the field, but 36% from three. He can shoot and defend. I just, I I don't see, I don't I don't think he's he's for us, considering who we got on the team now. Like, I don't hate him. I wouldn't hate him, but it just, it doesn't make sense right now. I don't know if your viewpoint. No, I agree here. The investment is not worth it for this particular situation and fit. Uh, Tyus Jones, who I refer to as a rich man's DJ Augustine, who he's not an elite athlete like, say, a healthy Markel Fultz is, but you know he's 27. He's a 14 million dollar expiring contract, so you you'll get a few months to look at him before you got to pay him. And then 12 points per game. He still has like a six to one assist to turnover ratio, which I think leads the league. I just think the the height thing is an issue. Like defensively, it's an issue. I know Magic fans, a lot of them want him. I I just wouldn't do it. And I don't want to pay him. And yeah, I, I'm I'm staying away. What about you? Right. Is he worth a first round pick or three or four second round picks to acquire? I'm not sold on that. Fair enough. All right. Next I have a Chicago Bulls. Speaking of the Chicago Bulls, because like I said, we're we're doing this uh Tuesday night. Uh the Bulls took the Wolves to overtime and looks like they're about to beat the Wolves in uh in overtime. So anyway, Alex Caruso, um, are the Bulls gonna be sellers at at the deadline? Probably not, because they're the night seed and they <laughs> like uh hanging around. So um Caruso's six foot five, he turns 30 at the end of this month. Uh him and Jalen Suggs together could be insane. 
as a as a defensive backcourt, as a hustle backcourt. He's the reason why Chicago are up to the ninth seed. He's he's even though he's you know he's on a career best ten points per game, but like he's got the forty nine percent shooting from the field, forty one percent from three. Um, I again I I just don't think that works if you've got Suggs on a team. I'm a pass, but someone I, I don't think the Bulls sell. I'm just gonna leave it at that. They'll they'll they'll, they'll hold on to the guys even though Zach Levine's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, hard to imagine them tearing things down for parts at this point, even even though they should have for over the last couple of years. He's having a great year, uh, and certainly he's he's a great player. There's something there. I just don't trust it, uh, certainly on the magic where the trade would happen and some freak injury would occur. Right. Yeah. Like I said, he turns 30 at the end of the month. Like you can, it's the, the clock's ticking on, on him being able to do that. Like look at TJ McConnell, like he can't even get minutes on the Pacers now. So, um, all right, Malcolm Brogdon, he is with the Blazers. He's making $22.5 million next season. Uh, you know, with that, you know, that's his last year that he's got left. So, uh, he's 31. He is injury prone, uh, 41% shooting from three. Look, I, I love the president, but I fear for his health here if we bring him in. Like, he may not miss a lot of games, like, if you look at it on paper, but trust me, like, injuries, like, he picks them up. They greatly hinder his impact. I'm staying away from the president. Uh, uh, thoughts on Brogdon, man. Like, I know Magic, again, the, the the shooting is great, no doubt about it. Like, he's he's a pretty good point guard, not a stellar point guard, but, like, he'll spread the floor, but I'm I'm staying away. Yeah, I share the same sentiment, and whether it's a leverage play or not, there's recent articles in The Athletic and stuff about how much he's loving his role in Portland, um, being a, a you know basically a mentor, but also a full-time starting point guard. Um, so the price to get him seems like it would be a hefty price tag, but again, just doesn't seem worth it for age and injury history. And whatever other stuff may or may not exist with him outside of all of the positive play on the floor. I will go quick on this one because I'm a big fan of him, but Nick Claxton, he's a $9.6 million expiring deal. So again, you're, you're re-renting him for a few months and hoping to re-sign him, but 12 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, two blocks per game. He's a shot blocker. He's a rebounder, rim runner. The 57% free throw shooting is a turnoff. I get that, but he brings a lot to the table uh, that we don't have on the team, or at least enough of on the team. He turns 25 in April. He can be an awesome starting center for us, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Are you high on Claxton like I am or not so much? Um, I'm not as high. Any any deal to acquire Claxton in your mind includes Wendell? It does not necessarily. Um okay. I don't have a trade because I don't think Brooklyn would give him to us. Uh, that's 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 the thing. Um, again, he only makes nine point six million, so I would give like Goga. I'd give him Jet Howard. I do Goga Jet, and hell, I'll give him Chuma's expiring too. I don't know if money wise that officially works because we're we're taking in more than we're we're uh, or sorry we're we're giving out more than we're taking in in that regard, but. Um, you know, I'd give them the Denver 2025 20, first as well. And so then with Jet, you get Brooklyn can say they got two first rounders for for uh for Nick Claxton. That's that's what I would give. But yeah. um or you or you could have just drafted again 
Derek, Derek Lively. Lively. Yeah, could have just yeah. drafted Derek uh, Lively. Oh, well. One of the five guys I wanted the team to, to take, and they didn't do that. Yep. So um, this one's a controversial one. Uh, Chris Paul turns 39 in May. He makes 30. He, he has one more year on his deal next season. He'll make $30 million next season. He's dealing with a hand injury, but he should be back, I think, after the All-Star break. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to win a ring with the Warriors. So um, I would basically be handing him a starting job with us, which could do wonders for him uh, since he know. I mean, he's not winning a title with that Golden State team. I'm sorry. That's just not happening. They'll, they'll be lucky to get in the playoffs at this rate. Um, but it, you know, he, Chris Paul could do wonders for us, you know, from a veteran, just a floor general perspective, like he did with OKC a couple years ago. Like it's it's yeah. very possible. Um this season, 28 minutes per game. So he's still playing a decent amount. Nine points per game, seven assists, four rebounds, a steal, 42% from the field, 36% three-point shooting. Um, I am not opposed to Chris Paul. I've I mean, look, it's coming, it's coming for it's coming 14 years late, later than I would prefer. You know, I think, well, maybe 13 years. I think 2011 was the Otis Smith. Like, he he almost got it done and it just didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's – I'm I'm good with giving Chris Paul a go. This is why it's such a great podcast because I, I echo the exact same sentiment. You stole the words out of my mouth. Wow. Not opposed, not opposed to Chris Paul is the perfect <laughs> summation of that. Um, I actually recently read his memoir uh, about his grandfather in the 61-point high school game. Um, but that was OKC, uh, solid. <laughs> that, Not that convincing, OKC but okay. Year is, uh, is one of the highlights of his career. Um, obviously, going, you know, when he got moved to OKC, he was being written off and had a great year, got them unexpectedly into the playoffs and everything. So um, I, I I wouldn't be opposed to Chris Paul. I'm also thinking he wouldn't be opposed to the challenge of coming here at this point, um, especially, you know, getting getting that starting role again. And again, it would be interesting, but that's a that's a Franz and a Paolo sign off, I think, because um, the whole dynamic changes. He he assumes that captain leadership role um, and his style has been known to grate on some players who may or may not have the work ethic required to win a championship. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I think at 39 that, that you kind of have to let go a little bit at that point, but I don't know. Um, another warrior and I can't quit him, but Moses Moody, who's 21 <laughs> still six, six in 34 games played 18 minutes per contest, nine points, three boards, 48% from the field, 36% from three. He just needs consistent playing time. I feel like a Paul, I, I have a Chris Paul Moses Moody trade package coming. That's, that's what it's okay. leading to, but uh, I'm waiting for it. Do you like Moody or not, not take it or leave it type of thing? Like I yeah, he'd he'd be great with you. You liked him from the jump. Um worked out in our favor, I think, nonetheless. But my my assumption here is the writing is on the wall for Clay Thompson. Um, and you're gonna see a lot more Moses Moody in Golden State. He's not going anywhere. That would surprise me. Like I know Clay's unhappy and even like the media's turned hard on him and some of the fans, but like that's a legend, man. Like you gotta somehow just find a way to just write it out with him somehow. And I, you're right, though. It, it looks like a trade's coming, which is just sad. Um, 
I'll be quick here. Ben Simmons, no, doesn't pass the character injury tests. Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, I'm not interested. He's almost 34, but he's a $31.5 million expiring contract. Like the moment you truly rely on him, he gets hurt. That's that's just been him in a nutshell. I'm, I don't care for Hayward. How about you? Well, and and the returns in Charlotte have been abysmal. I mean, he's he's not the same player that he was. He obviously, was the horrific yeah. injury, but yeah, I mean, just not not worth uh, not worth it for what you're giving up. Or Boston, I guess too. Yeah, but yeah, once the he had the horrific injury, yeah, it all turned. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, who turns 32 in May, he is a 15 million dollar expiring. So you're look, you're renting him. He is a durable, beefy big. That's all I can say with him. He started 49, 50 games, whatever it is, 14 points per game, 10 boards, a block, 57% from the field, 35% on threes. You know, he doesn't shoot a bunch of them, but he, he can hit an occasional three. Uh, he would bring something that the Magic don't have. Like, he he's even, like, a bigger version of Goga and more physical version, and I I would like to see what he can do as far as just creating separation for guys, be it in pick and roll or just if you if you leave him one on one, like he'll burn you in the post. I'm just curious to see that. I don't know your thoughts. But well, he's a big motherfucker, and he's been a big motherfucker for a long time. So it's like there's yeah, there's something to his game that we don't have uh, necessarily in that package on the roster. But again. I think you're bringing him in at this point still to be a starter. Yes, which, uh, he would be a starter. He would be a starter which, in this instance. Which throws a lot of, it changes a lot of the dynamics, to put it bluntly. That's that's fair, but hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit here. But uh, the other one I got for short term, the last short term guy, I had to throw him in because he's been in the rumor mill, is Kelly Olenek. Like, I have no interest in him. I don't want him stealing minutes from anyone on this team. I'm staying away from from Kelly. You? Yeah, I I don't trust as much as it pains me because I I am one. Um, I just don't trust the the white guys in their 30s. Like uh, <laughs> Kevin Love just you know handed us our ass with all of the timely bounce passes and everything tonight. But I just don't. I do not. I do not trust it. Uh, not consistent enough at this stage in their careers. So don't say, don't have an interest level there. A lot of rebounds too. Um, all right. Longer term guys. Not as, not as long as the list. Uh, DeJounte Murray. He's 27, six foot five. He has two game winners against us this season alone. He has a $32 million player option in the 2027, 2028 season. So he's on the books for a while. Are he and Paolo really on good terms now after the Seattle Pro-Am stuff? Like, would our teammates be fine with him? Would our coaching staff be fine with him? I'm not sure he passes the character test, but he's a damn good player. The Atlanta experiment hasn't gone well being off ball with Trey. He's still averaging 20 point, 22 points per game, five assists, five boards, a steal per game, 47% shooting from the field, 38% from three. It's it's strong numbers still. Um and look, he was a spur. He was an all-star with the Spurs two years ago, but trading within the division is rare. Like teams don't want to see guys they've traded four times per year. I, that's why I just, I don't see it happening. I know magic fans want this guy. seems like DeJounte Murray would be open to being traded to the magic. He kind of left some, some breadcrumbs out there, but you know, is he the guy that we saw up in Seattle during the pro-am or did going through tough times in Atlanta, 
next to Trey Young like change him for the better? I I wouldn't hate it, but there's there's a risk there, and I I just don't see us doing. I don't see it happening for the division thing, yeah. if specifically, if anything. Thoughts? You could talk me into it, but I think you you answered your own question and laying things out that uh, the experiment hasn't gone great because Trey dominates the ball. Um, I, I think we're, we're at a stage now where we're we're probably at our best with Paolo and Franz dominating the ball. So um, it, it, while it's nice to have another creator, I don't know that you're maximizing returns um, for, for DeJounte Murray to come and get the best out of him here. Anthony Simons, uh, Blazers, I'm not going to entertain the idea. Like we waited too long to, to pull the trigger on bringing him in and we, we'd have to pay a ton to get him. And also Waltman doesn't seem to believe in bringing in local guys. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know if you got any further thoughts on Simons. Uh, it, it appears that him and Shaden Sharp are going to be, uh, dueling running mates for, for a long time to come in Portland. So probably not even, uh, on the table. So you don't think Scoot Henderson figures it out or, or what, what do you think on that? Like Shaden Sharp is also out now for the rest of the season, I think with due to injury. So, uh, but like Scoot Henderson, it's been a little rough for him. Like, do you think, cause initially everybody was like, Oh, it's going to be Scoot and Sharp and Simon's is going to be on the way out. But no, it's like a, been a complete, like, like a, a complete one eighty where Simon's has just been doing so well that now he's, he seems to be locked in long-term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Scoot's still going to figure it out, but uh, at least obviously for, for right now, when healthy, uh, far and away, Sharp is clearing Scoot head and shoulders, I think. Uh, I think those are the two cornerstones for now, but I, I'm also not a Blazers expert. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, Brooklyn's not trading him, I don't think. He's 27. I, I don't know how that roster gets gets much better at the moment. Um, they're I think 10 or 11 games under 500. Um, I, I don't know. Do you see Bridges getting traded? I don't. And it won't be to here. I, I, I don't see him getting traded, but that is the guy that I would go all in on. Yeah, he, oh man, he would be something. Jesus. Um, Zach Levine, no, he's out for the season. Any further Levine thoughts, obviously? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> far, far away. Stay far away. And I have, to stay I far have three away. more. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, thirty-one. He's six foot five, sixteen million dollars. Uh, t- yeah, sixteen million dollar team option in 2027. Uh, you know he's been mostly coming off the bench. Twenty-eight minutes per game, seventeen points, fourteen, forty-four uh, percent shooting from the field, thirty-eight percent from three on eight attempts. So that's impressive. Him playing off of Paolo and Franz would, I think, do us wonders offensively. But then that situation comes or it sucks playing point guard it sucks coming off the bench is bogdan coming off the bench i think bogdan would come off the bench in this instance but you could close potentially with bogdan on the court um and instead of maybe wendell then you would just have isaac at center palo at the four franz at the three bogdanovich at the two and Suggs at the one you could do that um I I'm interested. I this guy has a clutch gene. He hasn't been able to exercise it too much in the NBA, but he's got that clutch gene that you could use in a playoff series for sure. Um I I don't again, division thing, I don't think we do anything, but I'm I'm intrigued by him. Thoughts. Yeah. Um it's it's always interesting 
again, like the short-term fix kind of deal. So is he worth a first? Would you trade the Denver pick for him? I would. Yeah. And I mean, look, he, look, he's under contract for a few years. So, um, you know, you're, you're paying him 16 mil, but it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I would in this instance, but again, I don't see it happening. Atlanta's going to ask too much from us. Um, yeah, I agreed. Uh, I have to mention it cause magic fans bring him up all the time. Tyler hero. I'm a big fuck. No, <laughs> do not help Miami. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to let you comment on Tyler Hero. Fuck that. Um, and then the last long-term guy, trade guy, because he's been in the rumor mill a bit too, is Colin Sexton of the Utah Jazz. He's 25, six foot three. He is uh, under contract through 2025, 2026, where he's making $19 million. So he's got a couple more years. The Jazz might blow it up. They might not. They might just stick it out and end up getting a play-in spot. But um, Sexton has... Uh, has been off the bench a little bit, but he started more games than he's come off the bench. The injury history is sketchy, except for this year. This year he's he's played, I think, every game. Um, but the injury history is sketchy with him. But this season, 17.5 points per game, four assists, 48% shooting from the field, 38% from three on four attempts is a strong season. I think his defense has fallen off, though, because of the injuries and I I'm I'm just not a Sexton guy. I just think there's that little bit missing from him where I just I would not I would not go for him. Um, but I I understand the appeal. I get it. I just don't think he fits with us. I don't know your your thoughts, Penny. Yeah, it's not a target that I have in mind. I also kind of feel like I I know they're uh, what four and six in their last ten or something, but. I, I don't see the Jazz doing anything to subtract this year. There's not really a reason to tank, and I think they'll keep things together and push for the play on the spot. So from the Magic side, like this is what I think is on the trade block pretty readily. Like All of our second-round picks, because we don't use them, they're all on the table. The 2024 Magic first and Denver's 2025 first, I think, are in play. I think Goga's in play, like... This front office has been historically really bad about holding on to guys too long and us getting zero in return with Fournier and Terrence Ross being prime examples. Um, there are teams that want to do a two, three month test at Goga Vitaze and he's going to be entering free agency. And at that point, it's like, do you want to have Wendell, Mo, and Goga all under contract? Um, you know, how, how's that going to play out minutes wise? I just think Goga is a, a candidate to be dealt. Chuma is an obvious one. He's an expiring contract. It's tough to see the magic re-signing him at this point in the off season. I'm putting Jet Howard in there. I still believe the magic drafted Jet Howard for him to eventually be traded as just as a first round asset. Um, everyone's going to say I'm full of shit and wrong. That's fine. Uh, Cole Anthony, he's slumping hard. Cole's slumping really hard. Like, the size and just him not being good defensively overall are just long-term problems for him. And I, he, he shouldn't see the floor right now, to be honest, until he somehow gets out of this slump. Like, I don't know why Anthony blacks not getting the minutes over Cole. I'm, I, I just, I don't know why um, because at least black brings size and defense that make him really valuable even if a, his shot's not going or he's not doing much offensively whereas Cole he has to be dropping 15 points per game every time he hits the floor or he's not a plus player and I get the locker room loss would be 
large would be pretty large if we dealt him away but you know he's it, it's just the on the floor stuff is just outweighing all of this stuff um and then if a bigger deal is available I'm a big Gary Harris fan. I am not really willing to give up Gary Harris unless we get another veteran back because I don't want it to be a situation where we say bye to Gary and Joe's the only vet in the locker room. I don't, I wouldn't like that. Um, you know, I get a $13 million expiring contract. He might want to be on a playoff contender. I don't know, but um, he's a, just a valuable veteran for us on both ends of, of the floor. And I, I get the health thing, but He's too valuable. I'd rather just let him walk in the summer than than do anything with him. But he's a he's a candidate that I would have if a bigger deal came up. And then Markel Fultz. I can't quit Fultz, but if if a big deal comes up, um, that seventeen million dollar expiring comes into play, and the TOS is, has has come back and wrecked his shoulder. It seems like even on the three tonight, like it's it's not the prettiest push shot. Like I'm glad that one went in, but like it's just tough to watch him get even mid-range jump shots up now with that shoulder at the moment um but even when he's not looking at the rim like he does a lot well on the floor just get either just carving up defenses with his dribbling or his passing like his defense is fine like when markel's engaged like he was after the first four minutes against miami tonight like once he got engaged like that's why we went on the run and came back like that guy is an engine like a big time engine and when it's revving like it's great even if he's not shooting it well like it's it's tough to get rid of him but long term it's it's just tough to 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 look to, to just ignore the flaws like long term the flaws are there and if a big deal comes up I, you got to include that 17 million dollar expiring contract in there um Wendell I view him as a power forward or a backup center at this point like until he proves that he can maintain good health as a starting center. Like he's not a starting center. He's either a power forward or a backup center. Um, Wendell also having Mike Miller as his agent, like Paolo does makes the situation interesting. Like would Mike or Paolo be pissed if Wendell was moved elsewhere? Probably. So, um, you know, unless it was just a really good situation, I don't know, but uh, I got to consider Wendell a candidate because I, I like to have Mo Wagner on the team and, I'm looking to upgrade to an act to a better starting center. And if I got to get rid of Wendell to do that, then I'll do it. Uh, and then the last one I got is I, magic fans are going to hate that. I say this, but I got to put Jalen Suggs here because his long-term health scares the shit out of me. Like he's moving around like a 34 year old Daryl Armstrong. Like I'm going to say this a while because he is limping bad. Um, and he's still doing amazing stuff on the floor. I get that, but if we have like a long time guard target, like I'm talking like a Luka Doncic level type of situation, I'm not giving Suggs away like for nothing. Like, but if there's a long time guard target and it needs Suggs to get it done, then I'm willing to pull the trigger. Um, any thoughts on any of the guys I mentioned? Short or like, like, cur like current obvious trade block candidates, and then maybe bigger deal availability stuff. Like, are you throwing other guys in? Or are you taking guys out, Penny? Or am I just moving on? Yeah, I think every look, the only people that are untouchable are Franz and Paolo, if you want to be real about yeah. it. No, that's fair. Do I, yeah, do, and, do I and Joe, think... And Joe Ingles and Mo Wagner, but yeah. <laughs> right. But I, but I think anything that... My opinion is that anything that happens this year, trade deadline this year, this week, mm -hmm. is uh, 
is going to be on the fringes. So I, I think you're, what you have in terms of the draft capital and the non-rotation guys is probably about the extent of it. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a Gary Harris flip. Um, here, here's my little trade, and then I'll ask you a question. But okay. if we move on from Gary Harris and actually get some draft capital that's intriguing... I think you you pl- you replace him uh, by obtaining Reggie Bullock, who I've talked about for the last two years, who's oh. uh, kind of out of the rotation in Houston, but still uh, a, a fine three point shooter and veteran locker room presence for the rest of the year. Um, so if you can flip Gary for more draft capital, I think that that might be a one two step. But here's here's my question for you before we talk about proposed trades and and kind of frameworks for stuff over under 0.5 trades for the magic this deadline involving a player over i'm over like historically the magic have under jeff weltman have always traded a player and in his entire in every trade deadline in his magic tenure right so i'm i'm gonna say that trend continues and i'm going over you're keeping it going yeah so um I I'm not a big Reggie Bullock guy. Like I I if it's between Gary Harris and Reggie Bullock, like I'm taking I'm taking Gary. Like I I don't like what type of pick capital are we getting back, man? Like is it two seconds? Like are are we getting a first for Gary Harris? There's no way, right? I don't I don't think so. So I, and and where's, you're talking me. about him going to a contender. Where's where's he gonna go? Phoenix. They don't have anything to give. Uh, a reunion in Denver. Not sure that makes sense either. Like, I mean, Denver actually would make pretty good sense. I don't know how Denver does that, but Denver would make pretty good sense. Um, Denver would be pretty good, honestly. That that's that's my thinking. If that if that were to happen, like that might be the only situation where Gary would want to leave at that, at this point. I don't know, but because um, he's had so many other chances and he hasn't he hasn't wanted out. So, uh, yeah, I only have three trade scenarios. Uh, I don't know if I if I asked it if I asked the question, but would you be disappointed if we did nothing at the deadline? And are you going over over under on your on your half a magic player traded at the deadline? I I'm gonna I'm gonna go under with the caveat that I think mm. that there's a, a move made that's a second round pick or a cash consideration type deal, um, but I'm gonna go under. Um, I'm not gonna be wholly disappointed because I think it's either. I think you're right, right? That the goal is to improve the team for the championship window. The trade trade makes more sense than free agency, but it doesn't have to happen at this deadline. It can happen in the summer too. It's true. Yeah, you can make trades in the summer. I I, I don't d- doubt that. Um, look, I'm. Would I be disappointed if we d- d- did nothing at the deadline? I I would not definitively. It would not definitively be a yes for me, but I'd still be a bit irked because, like I said, you can address offseason needs now without like sacrificing long term stuff. Like you can do it now. Um, and again, like just from a trend perspective, like we've made a trade every deadline that Waltman's been in charge. So I'd be pretty surprised if we didn't. But um, I have three trade debt trade scenarios, Penny. Uh, I don't know if you want to interchange or just let me go with with them or whatever but i'm going to give my chris paul one now i'm going to do my big one now it's so i have this trade with golden state where it's chris paul and moses moody and 
the Denver 2025 first and uh oh sorry I have that completely wrong sorry I have Chris Paul and Moses Moody to the Magic for Fultz, Cole, Chuma and Goga and if I got to throw in the Denver 2025 first to do it, that's fine. I included a couple seconds just for the hell of it because we don't use seconds and we have a plethora of second round picks anyway. But it's CP3 and Moody for Fultz, Cole, Chuma, and Goga. The Warriors do this to clear cap. They get pick capital to make another move at the deadline. You're do The Magic are doing it. Well, yeah, the Magic are doing this knowing that they want to move on from these guys in the offseason anyway, be it Goga, Chuma, Cole, Fultz. Money-wise, Cole's the only one long-term that you're that you're really sacrificing. Um, it's all just all about players and fit and team fit and all that at that point. But the Warriors could use another big in Goga. Cole Anthony could learn some stuff from Steph Curry. Like, um, but the Magic are then giving more time to Jonathan Isaac, or if he's out, then it'd be Mo Wagner. Um, Moody, I think would get consistent minutes playing next to Joe Ingles. And then you got Anthony black learning off of CP three um, thoughts. Yeah. I, that's a no hesitation would do that deal. I don't am know. I, if that's am enough. I not giving enough to the warriors? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's enough to get it done. Um, but even even the first and two seconds. Damn. Okay. All right. I mean, I give him jet, but I. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, for, for jet and two. I, it's still not enough. Uh, really? Oh, I'm I think kidding. it's enough. I really think that's enough. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's a great stopgap in terms of. I mean, assuming Chris Paul plays 50 games or something, but that's a great stopgap. Uh, if you're committed to Anthony Black being the point guard of the future. And Moses Moody in the second unit with consistent minutes is intriguing too. Uh, I'll give you my baby trade, which is with the Kings, where it's Sasa, Sa we get uh, Vizankov from the Kings for Chuma, and I'm throwing in three second-round picks because, again, we don't value second-round picks. So we'll make it look like the Kings now, are getting... See, now that's too much. Now you're getting... Now you're now, now you're giving too much. Throw some of those over to Golden State. Um, I mean, I'll give I, them I five. I don't care. <laughs> like, like Donnie, uh, no, like, like Nelson gave us what was it? Five or wait, no, three. Wait, four first, four first for Penny in the Weber deal. I, I, I right. forget it now. Damn it! But um, maybe it was three. three. It was three. three but yeah. I think I think Pat could have gotten five. But um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean Chuma for yeah, I would I would trade Chuma um, for anything, April. right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to throw in seconds. That gives Sacramento another bite at the apple next summer to bring somebody else in uh, or take a look at Chuma and see if he fills that role. I doubt he does. Um, yeah, it's like let's swap some deck chairs. That's fine. Um, do you have a trade, or do I go to my last one? Let's go to your last one. All right. Pelicans. I got Valanchunas coming uh, to Orlando for Chuma, Jed Howard, and Goga. And I, in giving them Jet, I'm giving them a first round pick player. And then they have a look at Goga in that regard. And, um, you know, they get, yeah, like I said, they get basically a first round pick in Jed Howard, which would, which is kind of an irony because again, I wanted Jordan Hawkins and they have Jordan Hawkins as well. So, but uh, 
I don't know. Is that what I mean? I I am not a Jed Howard guy. Magic fans are gonna throw like fruit and and crap at me, whatever for for offering Jed Howard. But uh, I I I you know it's probably too much from our end. But I'm I'm that fascinated to have a look at Valanciunas. See, it feels like not enough from our end for me. Um, I I just don't know if that's a if that's a trade target that actually makes sense in reality. Um, not sure how Jet would fit in since they have Jordan Hawkins. And how can any Magic fan really be a Jet Howard guy based on anything that's happened this year unless they're spending a lot of time at Osceola Heritage Park? Uh, fair enough. I've been watching a lot of film, but anyway, um, all right. What, what trade stuff you got? Because I'm done. That's it. Like, if we don't do anything substan- substantial this trade deadline, like, I genuinely think we're waiting in the summer for, like, an unhappy Luka Doncic wanting out of Dallas. Like, that's where I'm at. In that regard, I'd be, like, Wendell, Cole, Black, even Jet, a ton of picks. And I think that might get it done. But, um, yeah, I, I yield the floor to you. I'm I'm done. That's the, Those are my trades. I, I- I just have one, and I'm, I don't love it, um, and it's uh, in vogue. But I would trade the Denver first mm-hmm. and appropriate money filler for Corey Kispert. Oh, you're a Kispert guy? Oh, see, I I think Kispert would be terrible if we brought him in here. Like I, I think he, it's he, the same move. It's the same kind of move. As that's a welcome move, though. Up. On on the Grizzlies, I That's think it's a, the same kind of bump. Luke Kennard, yeah, like th- this is a Weltman move, right? Like this feels like yeah. the most realistic out of all of them. Um, I yeah, I don't, I didn't see how much he, he was making, but what is it? Is it is it Chuma? Would Chuma get it done, or do you need more salary? I don't know, but um, I think Chuma, and then if you if you got to fill a little more with somebody else, you you can do that too. Fair enough, but um, I'm not a Kispert guy, and also I don't. I mean, he, you would find minutes for him, obviously, but I, I'm worried about the defensive end with him. And I, I just don't know if his shooting will, will translate when he comes here. I don't know. We'll see. Um, fair enough. But uh, I guess we're going to end on a Corey Kisper trade. Oh, well. Uh, that's, that's all I got for this, for this, man. But, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Like, are we expecting a pretty busy trade deadline in general in the league? Because I, I know like a lot of the names already got moved earlier on this season, but I feel like there's there's still going to be a good amount that happens this trade deadline because there's just a lot of teams kind of in flux, whether they're trying to make another move to get up into the playoffs or if they're trying to tank. Like I feel like it's actually going to end up being busier than maybe people think. Yeah, well, first of all, now I just feel bad about the uh, logistics of the trades. I should have let you finish with the Chris Paul trade. It would have been a... <laughs> Better. I mean, I went first um, with it, so that's my fault. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah I, I think, look, we are talking about this the other day. Who's the favorite right now to win the title? Like, it's it's pretty wide open. There's flaws with everybody. There's a lot of jockeying. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, too, because the it feels like the door is wide open for a lot of different teams. Um, but there's going to be a lot of moves, even though there's been a flurry of activity early in the year. So looking forward to an exciting deadline. Um, I'm going to go in cautiously in terms of excitement from the magic during the deadline, though. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time. 
We are the longest running magic podcast show in existence. So any added support is much appreciated. Subscribing, rating, the show highly positive comments all help this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic. <laughs>